Hi guys, this is Aram Mulkumov and I'm with Monica Ochechik today, who is the head of product design at Primer. Uh, and you're listening to the Product Innovation Podcast. Uh, Monica, ready to jump into some of the questions we have for you today? Yes, great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, great to have you. Um, so you're one of the few people that we've had on our show who's a product design leader. And so we're going to try to get your thoughts uh, in today's episode around like, uh, you know, product design and like, you know, any mm -hmm. um, controversial maybe, you know, thoughts in terms of how you do design. Um, so maybe the first question I'll start off with is, um, you know, product designers have very kind of well, very similar, but also differentiating roles to the product manager in, in terms of ensuring that they're, you know, designing and, you know, building out the best product. But mm -hmm. sometimes as a product, product designer, you might need to do things that aren't always in the best interests of the customer. Um, so I want to kind of ask the first question, which is like, yeah. why, why do you think that is? Well, I think um, designers have... Um traditionally or specifically product designers have uh by you know the the traditional product design school uh been kind of taught to constantly think about the the customer uh and that's because like when when digital product design started it started with engineers rather than designers and it was very like heavy on engineering thinking um, and at that point, like there was no customer or user focus. So then when kind of product design started, um, we, we wanted to infuse it with a lot of like user, uh, focus, and then that kind of took over. Um, so we, we want to focus on users because we believe that that leads to great products. Uh, and that great product leads to business value. But if you kind of focus on something that is supposed to be a tool, it kind of defeats the purpose, right? Because at the end of the day, we, we all work for companies with business objectives. And so a product designer's objective should always be aligned with, with the business. So I would say that um, user focus is really, really important uh, and having like the, the interest of, of your users and customers in mind. Um, but it's not more important than like the, the technical scope or uh, the business objective. So I think it's just about um, keeping other objectives in mind because like product design doesn't happen like in a vacuum um, or in a world that is perfectly kind of created for product designers to uh, to do their thing and not kind of uh, consider the context in which they operate. Um, so I think just sometimes we, uh, product designers are taught this like process and focus, uh, which is great. It's just like not the only thing that you need to keep in mind as a product designer. Mm -hmm. And so you've been a product designer for some time now. What would you, what would you say has been um, the biggest kind of change of design approach or design thinking that you've experienced when you first started off, you know, being a product mm -hmm. designer to now in terms of what you do, in terms of how it was done before to how you're doing things now? Yeah, so I can maybe just start off by uh, I'm not really a product designer and like I've kind of moved into product design uh, from product and before that from marketing and actually I studied business so I'm not um, really no one ever taught me product design um, so just like a kind of a natural evolution of, of other roles um, but to be honest I think that product design hasn't changed enough 
uh, over the last couple of years. Um, so there are kind of two schools of thought that are um, very popular within product design, um, and that is Google's design sprint and IDEO's uh, design thinking. Um, and Google is like a massive company and IDEO is a design agency. Uh, and they operate very, very differently from a startup. So I think uh, what we're lacking out there is this like school of thought that is driven by uh, like a context that works for uh, especially like high performing, uh, high growth uh, startups. Um, and those kind of processes are quite old by now, uh, but they're still kind of the, uh, the main type of frameworks that you would use or uh, that product designers are taught today. Um, so I think um, what is needed is more of like a more pragmatic uh, kind of approach. Um, but it's hard to codify that, right? Like as soon as you want to create like a process or a framework, it immediately becomes like unsuitable for uh, you know agile, fast-moving companies with high ambiguity uh, and a lot of change. Um, so actually, yeah, not a lot has uh, has changed in in this space. I would say. Just going to something you mentioned earlier. So you said you start off uh, as in marketing and then in product. So what what are some things that you learned? while you were doing marketing and product to now on the design side that you've, you know, successfully carried over and what have you like had to, um, uh, go away with? Um, well, I guess that's a lot. That's uh, a lot to unpack. Um, I started in, in marketing as kind of, um, um, called a strategist. So, um, with a design agency. So what we we're trying to do is help like large, uh, large enterprises like uh, uh, big companies uh, transition from more traditional marketing into digital marketing and kind of make sense of the digital space. Um, and this was a couple of years ago. Um, and the digital space is a lot more kind of interactive than traditional marketing is. So there is um, less distinction between product and marketing in the digital space. Uh, and like that distinction is just decreasing uh, over time, right? It's hard to um, to define kind of the boundary. So, for example, as you de design products, oftentimes the onboarding experience of a digital product is owned by the marketing team, because that kind of ties into marketing activities, and and oftentimes the marketing or product marketing team will own. Um, metrics like uh, user conversion, which actually happens in the actual product. Uh, so there's like a um, yeah, blurry distinction between the two. Uh, and so as I was working with marketing, we, we realized that like the, you can't really take the traditional marketing thinking and just put it online in the digital space because it just doesn't, the, the rules uh, are completely different. Um, so at that point we, we started uh, to bring in more of this like digital product thinking into to the marketing space. So we were still working with um, like a head of marketing or, or CMOs, uh, but had to bring some of that product thinking. And this is uh, when I started to like understand what product is and the, the role it plays and how that can overlap with, with marketing. Um, and over time, it just seems to me personally, 
a lot more exciting to to be on more on the the product side than the the marketing side um but definitely the the overlap is quite interesting to me um and it's hard to say like where that stops because i'm still quite involved in in marketing uh, at primer today oh really okay because i was just about to ask you uh, mm -hmm. a follow-up question which is around where have you seen the um, evolution of like the product marketing role and the responsibility come into place now, especially you know how uh, it align, how it aligns with product design mm -hmm. uh, and just product in general. Um, I think product marketing is still kind of new. So product design is new, but it has a couple of years now. Uh, product marketing is still kind of like a role that is is changing and is being defined. Um, I think you, you know that typically by, um, you know, what's the vocabulary that is used. Um, there isn't like a very rich shared vocabulary around product marketing. But I think what like strong mar product marketing looks like um, is it's very driven by like curiosity and excitement mm -hmm. um, and that has to be like the the core um, and then I would say it's kind of free right and it uh, really depends on the product that you you work with um, but I think good product marketeers will like know the market really well they will know competitors really well they will know and like probably define uh, the product value proposition. Uh, they are not like passive uh, receivers as traditional marketing people would be quite passive in that uh, they receive a brief, there is a product and like you have to do something interesting with it and like create a story. Whereas product marketing, I think um, working in that intersection should um, have like an impact on the, the product. Um, so creating that story, um, defining the, the value proposition for different markets or different types of users, uh, being able to define that user and understand like what is, uh, what is interesting here? How can we position this? How can we talk about it? Um, but also all the way into how do we onboard these users? Like what are the hooks? Um, how can we make them excited about uh, the product? So I would say that product marketing people should be like the most knowledgeable uh, about the product, uh, probably in the, in the organization. That's no, interesting. Going back to my first question, you know, if I was to change the way I, you know, I pose it. So like, who would you say is the absolute best or like, you know, the genius um, in real life when it comes to doing things in the customer's best interest? Oh, you mean like a company? No, no not not mm -hmm. necessarily. I mean, within mm -hmm. the company, who would you say is there somebody oh, the mm -hmm. um, who who does that that role or responsibility the best? Would it be like say the CEO? Would it be somebody mm -hmm. in the product marketing team that tries to like do things in the best interest of of the client of of the of the users uh, and the customers? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. It has to be. Um, a specific role that has that a responsibility, I would probably um, suggest that it's shared, but like coming at it from different angles and perspectives. Um, so if you think about product marketing, 
there's supposedly uh, the experts on like how to talk to users and customers and whereas designers should be expert in like how do we interact uh, with with users and customers through an interface um, uh, and things like uh, UX copy. So what are the words? And again, this should probably be shared, right? Like I imagine product marketing people knew that, know this as well, uh, but it becomes more and more important if you think about interactions. Uh, and product managers should be experts on what do these users want, uh, right? What's the, uh, what's the like problem we can solve and what are their everyday problems? Um, what can solve that problem? So everyone needs to have um, that user focus. But again, the user focus is just one focus that, that you need uh, or one perspective uh, among others to kind of make it work in a, at least like in a business context, right? Okay. Okay. Um, I want to go back to something you said, which, uh, I thought was interesting. You said that you have, you know, behemoths and, you know, recognized leaders like Google created the design, the design sprints, IDEO created design thinking, but you said that in a startup, those might not always work, um, in terms of implementation and execution. Mm -hmm. Uh, what would you say are some maybe of your own creation or some other kind of uh, methodologies or processes that you've thought to be very helpful working in a smarter, uh, smaller yeah. startup environment? Yeah, um, maybe I can start um, just by pointing out why I think those uh, kind of traditional processes aren't ideal. So if you t think, um, think about a design agency, they bill customers by the hour and they typically like do not have um, subject matter expertise or like market knowledge within whatever it is that their customers are doing. Uh, and they still need to be able to charge for the time it takes them to build that knowledge, which is why like research is a huge part of the process uh, and it has to lead to like billable hours. Um, if you work at a startup, um, you still do research, um, but hopefully you are like better equipped to to know the market and the space in which you operate so you might not need as much research and you might not need that research as like a huge chunk of, of hours before you start uh, a project um rather you need to constantly be be speaking to users and conducting market research because things change uh, another difference is that a design agency will um, finalize a project within a given time frame and then they hand it over and it's supposed to be done by then like there are obviously like projects which continue and you you have like an ongoing relationship uh, but that's like the, the exact opposite to what you do at a startup right uh, yeah you have deadlines and you try to launch things but you have like continuous ownership over something um, and it's absolutely acceptable to, to release something that isn't perfect, uh, because you're making a point out of this is a beta product. Uh, we're going to like get feedback and, um, and continue iterating. And that's not what you typically do when you hire, uh, a design agency. Um, and a design agency will need to build some kind of confidence, uh, in that like first product that they release. 
Um, so again, like that, that process is just very different because the context is different. Um, so what I think just works really well in like a fast moving startup environment is, um, just having like the right personality types rather than a process that I can like codify, um, having people who, uh, like a little bit of chaos, uh, who really like, uh, the work that they do. Uh, people who are like genuinely uh, curious and interested uh, because I'll give you an example. If you think about research as um, like a really um, required part of the process, and it always is, it just looks a little bit different. Uh, research can happen uh, in a very like rigid context. Then you have to like set aside time and plan for it and bill for it. And like, it becomes this whole whole chore. Uh, but if you're like actually uh, curious, you'll be reading articles like over the weekend and not think of it as work. Um, not to say that people should be working over the weekend, but like if you're like genuinely interested in something, um, research can happen in a more informal context because you're building your, no your own uh, knowledge. Um, and you want to speak to your users because you're like genuinely interested in like getting to know them. So those are kind of traits that I think are really important in this context, um, to make things work, uh, really smoothly. Um, and another thing, um, is cultivating, uh, intuition because another thing that like a design agency will have to do is, um, as they make decisions they need to be able to uh, explain why they made certain decisions at a certain point in time because they have like a customer that they need to answer to. Uh, whereas in a startup, we, we constantly make like decisions and uh, we just hope that like on average, we make the, the right one uh, more often than the wrong one. Um, and we just learn, right? Because it is easy to, to um, kind of see mistakes in hindsight. Um, but it's if we like always have to make the right decision and ensure that that is the right decision, it slows us down. So we're making the trade off of saying like, yeah, we're not always going to make the right decision, but on average, uh, if we have the right people, it, it will take us like in the right direction. Um, so that saves time and you can move a lot faster because you are allowed to make certain uh, mistakes. So that also puts some, um, uh, you know, means that certain people will thrive because some people are just like very confident in, in making decisions on the fly uh, and are not too like afraid of, of breaking things and making those mistakes. Um, and that comes with um, confidence. So confidence is one of those things that I really try to cultivate in, in my team. Um, just, yeah, building confidence and, and making sure that we're not too worried about making the wrong mistakes. Um, and as you do that, also cultivate intuition, uh, for in this case, um, product design decisions, but it can be other types of decisions as well, like who we hire or how we structure the team or, uh, or other things that, um, you know, are business, uh, critical. So. And that intuition over time helps us again, build confidence and, and move faster and make uh, on average more, uh, correct decisions. That's oh, very interesting. So from 
what I gathered from that uh, product, your, your members of your team are product designers. You try to cultivate passion, intuition, curiosity, and confidence. Yep. Um, any, any, <laughs> any other, any other uh, kind of uh, characteristics or uh, attitudes you look for for a successful uh, product designer? Yeah, so I think this is quite special for for Primer, but we have um, like a very kind of transparent and like relentless, uh, constant, uh, open and honest feedback culture, and not everyone is uh, is comfortable with that. Um, but it kind of forces us to like put ego aside um, and just embrace this like constant uh, learning. It does help us uh, make those decisions, right? Because you're not alone in making decisions, but you have to still make them really fast. But if you open up to feedback, you will get a lot of feedback and then you're still kind of responsible for making the, the final decision. And this is true across like all roles. Um, it's true for managers making you know, uh, decisions on the team level, and it's true for designers making uh, product design decisions. Um, they're supposed to like put things out there, ask for feedback, but in the end of the day, they are responsible for, for making the decision. Um, so again, that comes back to like being comfortable in your position, having confidence, not being too worried about uh, repercussions or like making those mistakes. Uh, and it forces people to like move, move fast and not getting stuck on, uh, on details. Um, but I guess to summarize kind of that personality trait is um, like very open-minded uh, people without an ego who are very keen to like hear others' opinions um, without um, them being like, without like a lack of confidence, right? It's not about I'm, I'm not confident, I need like others' opinions. It's I'm confident and I want people to help me figure this out and then I'm going to take um, take appropriate action. Um, one of the uh, points you mentioned in terms of having a successful ability to build product is intuition. So I wanted to just ask another question about intuition mm -hmm. because I think depending on <clears throat> maybe the experience or the background of you know that team member, it could lead to you know maybe a more successful product uh, at the end of the day. So I wanted to ask, uh, intuition, like for me, having worked with many product designers, sometimes intuition, you know, for them is like, I have the experience, I've done this before, I know it works, right? So I trust mm -hmm. my gut, I trust my intuition towards, you know, actually, you know, working around this problem that I'm faced. But would you say that comes from experience mostly is it from like you know their own knowledge or what they studied uh where that's derived mm -hmm. from because you know I, I, not to be controversial or anything but mm -hmm. a lot of product designers sometimes are uh there's objectivity you know when it comes into design in terms of what good ux could be between one designer versus another mm -hmm. designer so there's like sometimes that controversy right so like where would you say it really comes and stems from like in terms of uh intuition at the end of the day yeah so i've worked with um a lot of senior designers who uh, i don't think had great uh intuition and uh juniors who who have more of that intuition i definitely think it comes with with time and experience uh but 
more crucial, I think, is curiosity and um, observational skills. So this is how observant you are when being like out there in the world, right? Because we all use a lot of digital products all the time. And so we're constantly uh, kind of seeing the interaction patterns that we're then supposed to be able to design. So how does like a drop-down menu work? Uh, what is like the most intuitive way to like invite a new user to something that you're using? There are very like, uh, there are uh, conventions uh, in product design and kind of best practices for doing certain things that are very common uh, in digital products. So this is uh, definitely where like good intuition will help you because now you don't have to like test like 10 different designs for doing something that is quite like a common interaction patterns. And there are just like, yeah, so many products that use this and that it has become like best practice is not necessarily always like the best way. It might be like an interaction pattern just happened to like stay around because it came with whatever, when, whenever like the internet was new and now it's just become a convention. Uh, so users uh, just expect it to work a certain way. It doesn't mean it's the best way, uh, but this is, I guess, where you can like start having a conversation about the trade-offs. Like, do we want to reinvent this because we think that we have a better idea for how this should work? Or should we just go with like the, the most common uh, expected interaction pattern? Um, but yeah, that kind of um, observational skill when you're out there using products, you notice the details of like what makes this good, what is common, what does this thing do? Uh, and then the ability to like analyze that and understand uh, what it is about that um, experience or design pattern that makes it good, that makes sense. And then the ability to like recall that when you're actually designing. Um, that is intuition. Um, and then being able to obviously like put that in practice and actually design the thing. Um, but it's, yeah, it's less about experience and you can cultivate, um, that intuition in a short period of time, if you have the, uh, the curiosity and the passion. Uh, it's very true. And I wanted to ask you maybe for an example of a situation where, um, you know, as you mentioned, the certain design principles or navigation approaches, drop-down menus, it's been tried, tested, mm -hmm. and like you know, validated as like this is this is the way you do it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, whether I'm working with my my own team or uh, that of a client, sometimes they want to do something that's experimental or like different. Yep. But that requires then the change of thinking of the user in order to get acquainted with it. What have you seen as like maybe a successful way to change um a way that has been standardized um maybe within your past experience or other companies that you've seen this done mm. well interesting i'll have to to think about that i have another uh example for you which is uh, not that but we had um uh, fun. This is like way back, I think probably like two years at Primer, where we discussed um, the interaction around um, like logging in to a dashboard. So like you type your email and then you type your password. And by default, like everywhere, uh, your password is usually hidden. And you'll have this little like eye icon uh, to reveal yeah. the password. <laughs> so in case you want to see it. 
Um, and uh, there's been some like research uh, around this, uh, and they're definitely like two different schools of thought. Uh, there's like yeah, different opinions on what is good because um, someone then could argue that well like most usually like people are not looking at your screen and like seeing you type your password and in most cases it's like not that secret uh and people make mistakes actually when typing their password so a lot of the time like you type the wrong password and you have to do it again and you have to reveal it so it's not that smooth so maybe like the the best uh would be to reverse it and to have the password visible by default um but it actually makes users like really uncomfortable because they're just not used to seeing their password. They're just so used to always having it hidden uh, that like the whole thing feels not like secure uh, or it doesn't feel right, which makes them uh, uncomfortable. So that's definitely like a pattern where maybe uh, the logical thing would be to actually show the password, but it like doesn't make sense because it makes people uncomfortable. Uh, so that's the thing that, totally. yeah, let's not try to like reinvent uh, the, the password kind of input field. No, that's a, that's a great example. It's, uh, I've had this conversation with a few people in the past before. It's like, should we do a, a confirm password or should we do this like, you know, make it unhidden? Yeah. But it's interesting with what you were, what you just said about making it visible. I agree. Like you know, most of the time people are within in front of their computer. There's nobody else seeing what password they're putting yep. in. But then you have tools like Hotjar, Full Story, and like all these screen recording apps that record what's happening on your screen, right? Just yep. to make sure that you know, you as like whether it's like the UX person would review the recording, like oh yeah, they did this the way I wanted them to. So that could be like the controversial part, right? It's like oh then people can see your password. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so it's like, it's always a give and take, right? With everything. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I think most users are not aware that anything could be recorded. It's just emotional. And I think uh, yeah. that's the, uh, I guess, where the, again, intuition comes in um, around product design. Like, can we imagine what people will feel? Um, but again, yeah, uh, people are different and some will feel comfortable and some, some not. Uh, but back to your, your question on um, kind of reinventing things, um, interaction patterns that, um, that work. Um, I'm specifically thinking about Notion as like a really interesting uh, tool that when Notion came around, uh, it just didn't seem like it was solving uh, a problem because there were so many like note-taking uh, tools and uh, like obviously no one loves Word and no one ever loved Word, but it kind of just worked. Uh, and then Notion kind of came around and over the years they have really like perfected the, uh, the small interactions around note-taking. Um, and there are so many small details that just make that experience really, really nice. Um, so I think that's a good example of just like reinventing the small things um, to create something that is that that feels very intuitive. Yeah, very true. Uh, just a couple more questions here, Monica. Um, uh, next one I have is we talked about process. We talked about you know uh, examples of you know uh, methodology and, fr and framework. So you know obviously every designer like yourself and like you know, everybody else out there who's doing design has some sort of process that they go to that, you know, uh, is their tried and true method or, or whatnot. But at the end of the day, uh, 
products, no matter what method or you know framework you apply, might not be successful mm-hmm. or might not be the best in terms of uh, the outcome at the end of the day. So I wanted to ask you, maybe this is controversial, mm-hmm. but who or who or what is at fault for that? Oh, um, I don't think it's well. Look, if if we're talking about like a business level, then it's it's always you know the the founders or or the CEO in a way. Um, but I think everyone in a company has um, you know responsibility. Um, like literally everyone, not just like the product team, but if you think about like, well, the marketing team should know, uh, and if things are not working, they should, uh, you know, speak up and, and help the product teams um, get on the right track. Uh, same thing with sales teams. Uh, they're supposedly very, very close to customers and they have uh, a lot of responsibility in, in feeding um, those insights back to, to product teams. Um, everyone in the product team, um, engineers, just like designers and, uh, and PMs. So I think that's, um, I think that's a type of culture I like and that I, uh, would promote where like everyone feels that, that ownership. Um, and I think this is like specifically true for, for product, uh, companies, right? Not everyone is, uh, is a product company and isn't like product driven but when the the product is kind of at the core of of the business then uh, everyone should hopefully uh feel that type of responsibility okay okay uh last question maybe one more i don't know we'll see Mm -hmm. um this is a more of a creative question i guess um if you had to make say a 30 45 second video Mm -hmm. uh about yourself on tiktok uh or instagram or whatever what would it say and what would it look like? Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I, um, yeah, I would probably be ranting about like things that don't work. So uh, this is what I, yeah, if I go on a rant, it would be like everyday like life inefficiencies, right? Like, why doesn't this work? How could this be better? Uh, so I'd probably have like a series of, you know, stuff that's broken and inefficient. And here's my solution to uh, how it should work. Everything from like the, the tax system to like queuing at the supermarket um, or like security at airports, a typical thing that could could be improved. Uh, okay, awesome. I'd love, I'd love to watch those videos. Yeah, I think that's you a good idea, it. actually. I'll just have to spin this up. <laughs> I mean, I love watching teardowns or like critiques of like existing products. There was somebody who was doing that as like um, a website. I can't remember the exact name, but he was basically going through every product and dissecting it mm-hmm. uh, screen by screen. And it was really, it was great, great to uh, go through and understand his thought process. And I learned a lot. Yeah. In terms of like product design thinking, just from just from following his uh, his teardowns. Um, all right. Uh, last question. What would you say is the most exciting part of your job for you, and why? Oh, for me personally, um, it's uh, just being faced with new challenges all the time. Um, I'm definitely the type of person who likes to um, like. I like starting fires and then kind of. Uh, trying to deal with uh, with new challenges. Um, I'm not that great at like um, improving uh, things incrementally. Um, I'm very low on like patience and um, I like doing like the, the big things. Um, so 
Yeah, I think um, what is great at Primer is that we, we constantly like uncover new problems that, that we want to solve. And we have a culture of people like being like-minded in the way that uh, they really get excited about these things and that they want to build uh, new things and they want to improve things. Um, so that kind of um, ambitious, um, let's say, uh, ambitious take on how can we build great things that are kind of difficult. Uh, like we don't want to do it the the way that is maybe that that has been done up until now. Uh, if there is a better way, then like it has to be done, right? If this can be better, it has to be better. Um, so I I really like that. That's good. No, I mean that's that's um, kudos to your leadership team for uh, giving you that kind yeah, of yeah for sure um, ability. I think that's that's awesome to hear. Um, all right, so that's a wrap, Monica. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to our show today. I really appreciate your your time and you know, all your thought sharing. Um, and always thank you to our listeners for subscribing and listening and enjoying the show. We do this for you. So thank you again, Monica. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. We are proud.